0: Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. ever needed forgiveness and it would not you couldn't receive it or it wasn't offered or wanted to offer it and it wasn't accepted it kind of leaves you thinking <laughs> why in the world did I bother in the first place why did I worry about this in the first place uh, I'm convinced and I don't have any data to prove this other than the fact that I've counseled with a number of couples over the years where this has been an issue but I'm, I'm convinced that a lack of forgiveness has, has drawn apart more marriages than any other thing. Most people think it's money, and, and money has some, It comes into play. I, I, I don't want to discount that. It does. But harboring things and carrying them into, into next year, into the next five years, into the, ne- into the next decade, uh, does more to crumble relationships than anything. And we're going to learn today some great lessons about forgiveness Uh, from Matthew 18, if you want to turn there. Um, We are uh, closing out this study in the parables this week, and I'm really looking forward to to sharing with you uh, again as we begin the month of June into a a four- or six-week study that I'm putting together now called The Missional Life, How to Live Life on Mission, not necessarily be a missionary or go someplace to be a missionary, but how to live life from a missional standpoint. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's going to. think you're, you're, one of your takeaways is going to be you're going to know more about what you're supposed to do, and the will of God for your life, uh, than, than probably, hopefully, ever before. So, Matthew 18. Oh, I meant to read this to you a while ago. I'm sorry. Uh, to Crosspoint Church, I appreciate my CD and books as graduation gifts. I'm thankful for this church to call home and the family I have in it, McKaylee Black, so uh, who is leaving to go out of the country and and. <laughs> and uh, the rest of the black home is celebrating we'll, we'll let that go Matthew 18 is the story of the unmerciful servant and his well let's see what he, what he does here then Peter came to Jesus verse 21 Peter came to Jesus and asked Lord how many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me up to seven times Jesus answered I tell you not seven times but 77 times therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants and As he began the settlement, a man who owed him billions of dollars was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. And when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a few hundred dollars. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive a brother or sister from the heart. Now, great lessons here in forgiveness. I think we'll see at least four, if not more, things that grow out of this text today. First of all, forgiveness is not a matter of quantity. Look like at in, uh, in verses 21 and 22. Peter comes up to Jesus and says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answers, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some translations will say 70 times seven or 490 times. The point there being, it's, it's, it's Peter saying, am I good enough? Because the law, the, the, the Jewish law said that from sun up to sundown, if, if you forgave somebody seven times in that, in that sun-up to sundown period, you were really a righteous person, extremely righteous, in fact. And so Peter knows that and asks him, if I forgive up to seven times, is that expecting an answer back, good stuff, Peter, you're the man. You? And Jesus says, no, 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 you're missing it. It's not a number. It's not a number. You can't quantify it. Um, and, and Peter was looking to quantify his goodness. And so, and we still, it amazes me here, 2,000 years later, nothing's new under the sun. 2,000 years later, we still have this goodness scale in our minds, don't we? Of if the good outweighs the bad, God will like me. I get into heaven. If the bad outweighs the good, God doesn't like me and I'm going to hell. And there is no goodness scale. And Jesus, Jesus totally debunks that theory here with Peter in this scene to say, wait a minute. It's not a number, Peter. You're missing it. It's not a number. You can't quantify forgiveness. Forgiveness should be... Out of, the, out of the overflow of your heart over and over and over again. So, so Jesus comes back, no, not seven times, 77 times, or depending on your translation, 490 times, Peter. In other words, get over the number. Move beyond the number. Get beyond the things that are in your mind that measure goodness and measure God liking me to get to where he really wants us to see, and that is be a forgiver, 77 times, 490 times, 7 times, 3 times, 1,000 times, be a forgiver. Have a forgiving spirit. Have a forgiving attitude. And that's above the norm. Peter was just asking, am I above the norm? <laughs> and Jesus answered, you want to go above the norm? Be a forgiver. Because people don't forgive well. And to get above the norm, we need to learn to be forgiven. Um, so in this, in this first uh, related to this first point, I would ask you, do you seek to forgive or do you hold on? Peter wanted to quantify it. Am I I forgiving enough? If I forgive somebody who's hurt me, somebody who's wronged me, and maybe it's it's years years old, maybe it's decades old, is that enough? Am I okay in your eyes now? And Jesus says, listen, don't quantify that. Be a forgiver. Have a forgiving spirit about you. It's, It's not a number. Secondly, forgiveness is often about who owns what. Look at verses 23 to 27. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, and as he began the settlement, a man who owed him billions of dollars, to your, some translations will say numbers of bags of golds, some will say 10,000 talents, or 20,000 talents, and an insurmountable amount of money is what that's, what that's trying to get across. Billions of dollars was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children, be, all of them, be, that he had uh, uh, be sold to repay the debt. So, this phrase here, the master took pity on him. It was the master's money in the first place and the master took pity on him. Uh, first of all, millions of dollars or billions of dollars or, 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 or t- 20,000 talents or is a huge insurmountable amount. Of, that was a significant amount of money. Even to somebody who's rich that's a significant amount of money even in in, in today's terms to use the term millions or billions if you have a more modern translation. It's, a, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's enough of money that matters to somebody, even, even somebody with wealth. Yet that's not where the master went here. He didn't go with the money. He was more concerned with the person than he was the, 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 the debt. To the extent that to teach the person about the debt, he said, no, listen, you can't pay. I'm going to sell you, you and your family into slavery. And that's literally what he was talking about, that his family be be sold. They be sold into slavery and... and In other words, your your slavery, the the income off your slavery will work off your debt, and you can pay this back. Um, So interesting little sidebar here as it relates to his his family. Forgiveness is multi—a lack of forgiveness can be multigenerational. And I'm going to tell you, it is painful to watch a child pay for a parent's lack of forgiveness. It's painful to watch a child or or a grandchild, even, or a great-grandchild— grow up with bitterness and animosity and, and, and anxiety and, and things in their heart that shouldn't be there. Why? Because it's been carried, carried down in the past. We don't hang with them. And we don't, we don't associate with them. And we don't. And here's why. Because years and years ago, they said or they did or they went or they. And, and, and that's paid multi, you know, sometimes two and three and four generations after the fact. And we think, this didn't even affect me so why is, why is your animosity becoming now i 'm absorbing it that 's my animosity, and your ill will toward this family or this group of folks or this this denomination or this belief or and your your feeling about them is now my feeling about them. Why did I absorb that why did i Why am I paying the guilt for your lack of forgiveness for your lack of being able to let that go and it 's painful to watch sometimes kids and grandkids dealing with things that, that they don 't understand and they never had a hand in it in the first place yet. Here is here is great illustration that that happens over and over and over again. And I'm going to tell you, if you, have, if you deal with a lack of forgiveness, don't let that be multigenerational. Deal with it in your generation. Deal with, in fact, deal with it soon. I'm going to challenge you at the end of this message to do that. But multigenerational sin is like multigenerational gift, guilt. It just compounds itself over and over and sometimes grows bigger as generations go. I, I read the story this past week and, and thinking about this, uh, a story came to mind. I went back and read the story about the Hatfields and McCoys. If you've ever read the story about the Hatfields and McCoys, it is multi. In fact, it, it goes 20 and 30 generations deep. And by the 20th or 30th generation, it's, it's been so blown out of proportion with these two guys had an argument over, over, over a piece of farm implement. And, a, and an argument over a farm implement caused people 10, 10 and 20 generations later to start shooting each other and killing each other over, over the, the lack of loan on a farm implement. Really? I mean, it's that important that we're killing people over half the farm implement. You know, more, my life or your life is. So it, it's funny how, how as generations pass, sometimes it grows and it compounds. And now it's, it's become this huge thing, that, the huge elephant in the room that nobody wants to deal with. And nobody wants to be honest about just to say, listen, can we let this go? Can we just move on over here and let this go and learn to forgive and move beyond that? Um, the master here, though, was concerned more about the person than the debt and that's only possible when we see the things we own as belonging to God. It's only possible to forgive well when we feel like we don't own anything. In fact, I would remind you today that your possessions are his. Your job, according to this book, your job is his. Your marriage, his. Your kids, his. Your friendships, his. your relationships, his. Your, your goals and dreams, his. According to this book, when we accept him, we die to ourselves. We die to the things we want and lay those at his feet to say, listen, all I have is yours. All I want is you. When we see ourselves as, as non-possessors in life of, of relationships and family and friends and things we can put our hands on and things we can't and feelings and dreams, and when we see ourselves as, 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 as holding those loosely or even letting those go totally to say, God, those are yours, well, forgiveness becomes a lot easier tons easier when we see ourselves just as managers and stewards of what God's placed within our care instead of this is mine and this family's mine, and this wife is and this job is mine, and I will defend and there's nothing wrong with defending your family and, 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 and standing for what's right and being noble. but when you start to see things that belong to God as yours, you start to get in dangerous areas. In fact, I can name church after church after church after church that is split. And God's no longer getting the glory out of this church and that church simply because some folks in that church said, this is my church. And you're not going to do that in my church. That's dangerous. It's adultery, really, to claim the bride of Christ as your own, that you own it. When we start to see the things in our life that, that we think are, are ours, they've been given to us, even blessings at the hand of God. They've been blessings at the hand of God to lay back at his feet and give back to him. That which already belongs to him. You think, well, well, that's 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 easy, or fairly easy, with, 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 with the time, talent, and treasure that Tim talks about sometimes. But my family, my kids, are you serious? My my marriage, my job, I mean, that's my sustenance. That's my livelihood. That's that's, that's exactly what I am saying. And, and that's I think one of the stories of this great truth and this great parable that, that is when we feel like we own everything, it's far harder to forgive when somebody takes it away. Yet when he owns it and it's taken away, or it gets broken, or it gets messed up, or it gets spoken badly about or again it's his issue because he owns it I'm just a steward of it and it's far easier for me to step back and say God help me deal with this in a godly way because this is your stuff it's your family it's your job it's your money it's your time it's it's all yours and so if it's yours it's yours to deal with and it's not mine to fix great freeing truth there and, and, and a liberating truth we can come to that place first Corinthians says uh, chapter 7 says this. In, 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 in light of his wanting to throw, their fa- throw his family into slavery to pay the debt. Were you a slave when you were called? Paul writes, don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain freedom, do so. For those who were slaves when called to faith in the Lord are the Lord's, watch this, the Lord's freed people. Similarly, those who were free when they were called are now Christ's slaves. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. You don't own yourself. And you don't own the things you own. You start to see God take those things away, and I've seen that happen in families' lives, and they don't know what to do sometimes because that was of such value to them. Their marriage was of such value to them. Their health was of such value to them. Their their family, and you start to see things start to be taken away, and you think, God, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing here? And it may be, I'm not saying that it always is when you see those things happen, but oftentimes it may be God saying, I'm about to show you what's really important. I'm about to teach you a lesson you could never learn otherwise. So I'm going to pick this, and I'll pick this, and I'll pick this, and I'm going to set those all over here, to where all that's left is just you and me. And either I'm enough or I'm not, and I'm good enough or I'm not, or I can make this work or I'm not. And so when all that's when all that's left is just you and me, is is am I enough? If I'm not enough, then we got problems. If I'm enough, then you didn't need any of this in the first place, did you? You thought you did, you didn't. You didn't need that to make life work. All you needed was me. And we learned some great lessons in, in learning who owns what. And if he owns it all, then he's, it's his job to deal with it all. If we feel like we own it all, then we invest ourselves, and we're in, we're in every conversation, and every, and we feel like we've got to deal with it and fix that and spin the plates and make it, make it all work. No, that's his job if he owns it. You see, possession is a matter of the mind. And if, if, if indeed he possesses those things in our life, then it's his job to right the wrongs and, and, to, and to heal the hurts and to correct everything that's, that's out of place. Well, forgiveness is is not a matter of quantity and is often about who owns what. But thirdly, forgiveness is never to be leveraged. Forgiveness is never to be leveraged. Look at verse 28 to 30 together with me. But when the servant went out, that servant, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a few hundred dollars. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. He went off and had this man thrown into prison. Um, he leveraged his own forgiveness. He had been forgiven by begging and pleading with the, with, with the master. Yet his fellow servant who, begs, who likely saw this, because in, in fact uh, we see some of these fellow servants go report this back to the master. So this, this fellow servant likely saw this servant begging the master to forgive him. So he does the same thing. I'm going to beg your forgiveness too. I just saw you beg the forgiveness of the master. I'm going to beg your forgiveness and yet it's not there because this, this fellow servant leveraged his own forgiveness for his own good. Why did he do that? I would submit to you that very quickly he had forgotten what it was like to be forgiven. Don't ever forget what it's like to be forgiven. Now, that's a great story in the sense of Christ's forgiveness. But I mean, I'm talking about even on a human level. Has somebody forgiven you of Maybe a parent, maybe a friend, maybe a teacher, maybe a coach. Maybe has somebody forgiven you for something you've done, and until they did that, you just felt in bondage. I mean, you walked around, and, and it may even been on your countenance. Of, and you felt, you know, like a subhuman at least around them. But when forgiveness came, the, healed, the the hurts were healed, and and the relationships were restored. And and you think, why did I not seek this earlier? <laughs> Why did I not go to this person and say, "Hey, I've wronged you. You know, I've let you down. I've disappointed you. I've, I've whatever. You fill in the blank. Will you forgive me for that? If I if I had known how liberating and how freeing this was, I would have done that far earlier than, than I did. Uh, mm-hmm. Forgiveness, it is freeing. It sets us free. It's, it, it, and, and in fact, that's why this that's why the servant sought it of the master. That's why this servant sought it of the fellow servant. Can I be free of this? Will you set me free of of this debt that I owe you? Can I be forgiven? Will you give me your forgiveness? And, and, and he, you, you see the story here. Uh, he, he refuses to do so. Um, here's what I want you to get from this, though, is this. And the servant didn't get it. Forgiveness is freeing not only to the forgiven, but to the forgiver. I'm convinced that's why the master freed him in the first place, is to not only set him free, but as the master to free up himself. For, so for there not to be any friction, any animosity, any anxiety when the two of them were together. I don't, wanna, I don't want there to be this cloud of you owe me this debt over and over and over again. I don't want there to be this every time we meet we're walking on eggshells and we're, you know, it's like we're on thin ice. Somewhere, and we just watch our conversation so that nothing's said to offend anybody else. And you've been in family settings like that, but probably at holidays in your, at your house. And, and, and don't, say, don't, don't, don't say this around them. say this around them don't do and so rather than be that this master says listen I not only want to set you free I want to free myself of this too forgiveness is not only freedom for the forgiven it's freedom for the forgiver and and that can be sometimes as liberating as the forgiven being freed of things and so this servant doesn't get it he leverages his own forgiveness and uses it in a a hateful way against the the, the fellow servant who owed him money Um." if we learn the power of forgiveness and how freeing it is, <clears throat> canceling a debt, canceling canceling something that, we, that we've been hurt or put upon, canceling that uh, after sometimes years uh, or sometimes decades of holding a grudge, or, or that's such a liberating thing if we'll allow it to be. And if, if we don't see that, we're going to miss the great lesson in forgiveness instead of how oftentimes you and I approach forgiveness. I'll forgive him if... I'll forgive her if, if she comes back and crawls to me and apologizes for what she did 10 years. I'll forgive her I'll, I'll, or I'll forgive them when. I'll forgive them when their attitude around me shapes up. I'll forgive them when I see their behavior change. That's not what forgiveness is here. <laughs> it's not I'll forgive them if, I'll forgive them when. What the master did to this servant and what he failed to do in the fellow servant is, I'm just forgiving you, period. You still owe me, but I'm canceling it. I'm forgiving you, not because you deserve forgiveness. You don't deserve forgiveness. I should—I deserve to throw your family into prison so that they work out into slavery, so that they work off all the debt. That's what you deserve. Yet what you're forgiven, or what you're given, is forgiveness. And this servant forgot all of that. He forgot what it was like to, to, to be forgiven, to sense forgiveness, to sense the freedom that came with that, and pass that on to his fellow servant. Um, that's not what this—this this conditional forgiveness is not what God's called us to. You can't find that anywhere in this book. I challenge you to. But 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 leveraging forgiveness is dangerous business because as I said, it can carry on generation after generation after generation and we use it as ammo. We use it as, as a means to say, this is who I am, this is who I'm not and I'll not be that around you or I'll not be this around her. And so we start leveraging forgiveness. We start picking pockets of life where we can be real and pockets of life where we have to be somebody else. And I'm going to tell you, Forgiveness frees and liberates to the extent that we can be real everywhere we are. We can live an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with him. Fourthly, not only is forgiveness not a matter of quantity and often about who owns what and is never to be leveraged, but fourthly, forgiveness isn't just changing your mind. Forgiveness isn't just changing your mind. Look at verses 32 to 35. When the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt that was yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. Notice that. Until he should pay back all that he owed, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive a brother or sister from the heart. Unless you forgive a brother or sister from the heart. Forgiveness is changing your heart about something, not changing your mind about it. It's easy to say, I forgive you. But if you're not really forgiving them, it's all in your mind, and it's all verbiage, it's all words. Change that's from the heart, forgiveness that comes from the heart, changes us, and it changes the other person too. It changes the situation, changes the attitude, changes the relationship. Um, not <laughs> instead of you're forgiven, but keep your distance. I forgive you that, but you know, let's just agree to, to do life differently and, and do, to, to do life separately. You stay over there, I'll stay over here, and i forgive you and all, but that's not what real forgiveness of it is about. Real forgiveness changes the heart. It changes our attitude, changes our spirit, changes our, not only our mind, but our will, the things that we want, the things that we thought we valued. Uh, forgiveness says, I forgive you and welcome back. Come on in have whatever you have, I, I, I am vulnerable and I want to expose who, whoever the real me is to you. I want you to see that and not hold anything back, no, no reservations. Um, and it's this way from Jesus. Listen, Christ's forgiveness doesn't just give us heaven. And that's good enough, isn't it? I mean, I would take the heaven package and, and, and not even not, not bat an eye. But that's not where Christ's forgiveness stops. Christ's forgiveness says, I want intimacy with you. Not just I'm giving you heaven. I'm, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. It's all yours. You can, but I want intimacy with you now. In fact, I want to bring you all the way in. I want to tear the curtain between the, the, the holy of holies down. And I want to bring you all the way in so that you see the real me. You see who I really am. And I want you to, I want you to want that. I want you to, in seeing who I am, want the, the, the parts in me that you've, you've been afraid to approach, been too intimidated to come into. And rather than being intimidated by that anymore, come on in. Welcome on in. I want you to see. I want you to have intimacy with me. I want you to know me as as if I was walking around with you in you daily, which I am. So he says, it's not just about eternity. It's about here and now. And it's about you're seeing the the, the me that says whether I look good or not to a friend. Not, not, not from the Lord does because he always looks good. But to a friend, to a family member, whether I look good or not, whether you see the warts or not, whether you see the, the bad places or not, whether you see the, the, the things that aren't right about me, I want you in. I don't want you out. That's what forgiveness does. It breaks down all the barriers. just says, come on in. Welcome back. Uh, in fact, welcome back to the point that I'm vulnerable again to you. In, in, in essence, even to be hurt again by you, even to be used again by you, that's how far forgiveness goes. It doesn't just stop with, I forgive you, but you stay over there, and we'll be cool. Life will be great. That's not where forgiveness goes. Um, it, it'd be kind of like giving somebody a house. Here's the keys, but you can't go in these three rooms. You just stay everywhere you want to. Here's, here's a six thousand square foot house. It's your dream home. Walk in, but these three rooms over here—that's not what forgiveness does. Forgiveness says, open every door, pull up every crack, come into my life to, from the standpoint you see the real me, and I see the real you, and we walk together. In intimacy there. Why? Because we're, I'm forgiven and you're forgiven. We've 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 healed this hurt that's that's kept us apart all these years. Um, there's no such thing as partial or conditional forgiveness. Is what he's saying. And and, and, and he goes to the point. I thought you there as we were reading. He goes to the point of saying, "You wicked servant. Not only am I going to throw you into slavery, I'm going to torture you while you're there to teach you this lesson." What? He sh- He he forgot the power of forgiveness and learned. That at the at the hands of a torturer all over again. I don't know how long it doesn't say how long he was in prison, doesn't say how long he's going to be tortured, but I guarantee you learned a forgiveness lesson. Would we not be that would we not take it that far? Would we break down the barriers that stand between us and others to, to forgive and and let things go in the sense that, listen, I'm in bondage because of it. And I'm carrying around things that I don't want to carry around anymore because of it. I'm choosing to forgive. Now whether you accept my forgiveness or not, it's up to you. I'm choosing to forgive, or they're around. I'm choosing to ask for your forgiveness. You may not give it. It's up to you. It's between you and God. But I'm choosing to ask for your forgiveness. Um, it is. It is. First John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us our sins and to and here's the great word and to purify us from all unrighteousness." That's what forgiveness does. Forgiveness cleans up the dirt that was left there. It cleans up the, 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 the dross and the, and, and the slum and the, and the sludge and cleans all that out of the way. And says, you're purified. That's what forgiveness does. It, it, takes a, it takes an ugly scene of a bloody cross and makes everything clean. Only forgiveness can do that. The depth of forgiveness that Christ offers to us can do that. It's from the heart, and, it's, and, it's, and it wipes the slate totally clean. Well, let's get to where we live today as we close. And um this is a great story and great truth about forgiveness and it's scriptural. And Tim, I see all that it's biblical. What about where I live? Let me ask you a couple questions as we close. And they're they're just honest questions between you and God. First of all, who do you need to ask forgiveness of? Who is there in your life? And it may be as I said, it may be a week old, it may be thirty years old. Who do you need to ask forgiveness of? Who do you need to go to and say, you know what? There's been, I, I, I can't put my mind, I can't put my hands on it, but there's things have not been right between us. And I may not, not even know what it is, but if I've done something to hurt you, harm you, will you forgive me? Will you, can we, can we open up in relationship again the way, we, the way it used to be or the way I, we'd love for both of it to be from the beginning? Don't know what it is, can't put my finger. Or you may know. You may say, you know, listen, here's what I said, and, and I, I apologize for that. Or here's what I did. And that hurt you, and I apologize. Who do you need to ask forgiveness of today? It's hard. But who do you need to ask forgiveness of? Uh, it's, it's, as I said, it, it, whether, it's, whether it's a week old or whether it's 30 years old, it's worthwhile to pursue that. I'm going to tell you, if you don't, the bondage will still be there. The cloud will still be there. And, and you can see it in people's lives, can't you? I mean, you've, I, I've, I've seen people that I don't know their world and I don't know their story, but you can tell by their countenance. Things aren't right. There's not a sense of of, of transparency with them. There's not a sense of I'm not even looking for joy, just contentment. They're just discontented. I mean, they find discontentment in everything. You give them a brand new car and they find a, they find a dirt speck of dirt in the trunk somewhere. They're just they're going to look for discontentment any any place they look, and and oftentimes not always, but oftentimes it's because there's animosity there between them and someone else. There's unforgiven, unrepented of places in their life that need to be freed and let go of. So, who do you need to ask forgiveness of? Secondly, here's the harder one. Who needs your forgiveness? Who do you need to forgive? They've wronged you. They may even, and here's the harder part, they may even wrong your kids. It's hard to forgive somebody who wrongs your kids. That that Either says something, whether they mean it or not, whether it's intentional or not. Somebody hurts your kids, you're going to hang on to it. (laughs) You're going to remember it. That's my kids. It's hard to forgive somebody who hurts your kids. But who needs your forgiveness? Who needs you to let it go with them? And you know what? They may have, and you haven't. So you may need to go to them and say, you know what? Um, you've probably forgotten about this, but you said or did this years ago that hurt my feelings or hurt my, or Or, you know, in some way, it, it, it drove a wedge between us. And I need to forgive you of that. You, you may have forgotten it and let it go. Great If you have, great. But I'm not. I've hung on to it, and I apologize. I need to forgive you of that. That's far harder than asking for somebody's forgiveness. I'd, I'd much rather say, will you forgive me of this, this, than to say, I've, in hanging on to this, I've been in sin, and I've been, I've been in the wrong. So will you, will you, I want to forgive you of that. To let me go, maybe to let you go too, to where this, the the, the tension or the anxiety, as I said, it's not there anymore. I don't want that there anymore. I'd rather be transparent and honest and open, even if we don't end up not liking each other. (laughs) That's okay, but I don't want there to be an animosity there. Who needs your forgiveness? Granting forgiveness is far harder than asking for it. I really believe that. It's because we choose to carry it, we choose to carry. Year after year, month after month, decade after decade, we choose to carry around, as I said, t- told you this Hatfield and McCoy story, and it, and it grows and it mushrooms, and it becomes this huge thing now that was started very, very small. And now we've chosen to carry it around for these years, year after year after year. It's become this thing now that we've, we've learned to adjust to and, and live with, and, and we should have never learned to do that. We should have asked for forgiveness in the first place and granted forgiveness in the first place. But who do you need to ask forgiveness of, and who needs your forgiveness? One of the hardest things you can do as an adult, um, and, and its I, I shared this, <clears throat> this story with you in this past week's E News, that in this little fight I had on the playground was when I was in third grade, kid comes up and pushes me, calls me a name, pushes me, I just grab him in a headlock. And the teacher, and that, and that was the fight, basically, because the teacher comes over and says, all right, all right, all right, you boys, in the classroom, let's go. And we have to stay after school. And, and as I said, that was back when paddling. You could paddle a kid and get thrown in jail for life if you do that now. But <clears throat> it was back when, when paddles were this long, you know, and, and if, if, they, if they had a shop teacher, they were, they were plastic, about half-inch thick plastic, holes drilled into the. We saw it. We never, we never got it, but we saw it. Um, and it, it would be wielded out every now and then, too. If the class would get really. out would come the paddle. And, but anyway, I would have far rather gotten paddled that day for that, for having that kid and getting in a, a little pseudo fight with that kid than what she made us do. You look him in the eye, you look him in the eye, and tell each other you're sorry. Ask for each other's forgiveness. What? I would far less give me some licks. I'm not looking at him now and apologizing to him. He, he said this, or he, and he felt the same way about me. We walked off both of us. We apologized to each other because we had to, but or, 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 or either we would have gotten it with the paddle and had to apologize too. But I would far rather rather gotten paddled. And it's hard. It's hard confessing and, and, and breaking down barriers and being honest and saying, I was wrong. I was wrong. And I want you to forgive me of for that. And, whatever that looks like in your life, and whoever it looks like that with, I want to encourage you to move out of that cloud and out of whatever, whatever bondage that, that Satan's been allowed to use. You've allowed him to. I mean, he's, he, he does the things we allow us. We allow him to. If you allow him to, to, to harbor that, as I say, day after day, year after year, and it becomes this mushroom over, over time, let, can, we, can we sever that? Will you this week look for an opportunity to say, will you forgive me of for that? I'm sorry. Uh, whatever, whatever there's been between us, I want to apologize for. I don't even know what it was anymore. It's been so long, don't even remember it. But there's not, things aren't right between us, and I want to ask for your forgiveness. That's hard. But that's what we're called to, according to this book. And there are consequences for not doing so, according to this book, too. Now, I don't know that we're all going to be thrown in jail and tortured, but it'll feel that way sometimes. Sometimes the torture isn't physical. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes it's financial. Sometimes it's relational. Sometimes it's a water heater busting. Sometimes it's car trouble. Sometimes, and, and the torture just comes and kind of, why, why is my world not working? It's because I'm carrying around and harboring ill will towards somebody that I should have asked forgiveness of years ago. Hard. Hard stuff to do, but that's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. He says, I forgave you that way. I didn't say, you know what, I'm going to forgive 95% of your sin. The other 5%, you're going to have to work to deal with it. You're going to have to work it off. No. It's not what he did. He says, I'm forgiving you all of it. And not only all of it today, but all of it tomorrow, and all of it next year, and all of it decades down the road. Forgiving it all. It's all clean. I'm wiping the slate all clean. Hard truth to live and put into place, but that's what we're called to. Um, If this book were easy, um, it's not. It's not an easy book to live. But I'm going to tell you, when we walk in obedience to it, life works. I'm just going to tell you, life works when we walk in obedience. To it, we find the hand of God in our life to work, and we're going to, as we begin this next series, we're going, when we walk in obedience, we're going to start to see God's will in, in clearer, more definable, more more actionable ways than we ever had before. Yet, if we harbor that and say, "God, you can have all of that, except this this issue I've got with this guy over here or this guy over here," you can have all of that. He said, "No, no, no, clean that up. I want it all." I want all of you. That's what he demands of us. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.